spending years in literacy development research at Harvard University, Joan Kelly recognized that adults need to be more proactive and involved with their children in order to enhance and increase reading levels and abilities. So she founded Abound Parenting, which is a mobile app and an online resource for parents, care providers, and schools to increase the reading levels and abilities of kids through easy conversations, ideas, and words. We did a few examples together, and the app makes it super fun and easy for the adults and the kids, and is thought-provoking. Joan is wicked smart. She's fun, jovial, and she is a delight to know. Hi, Joan. Thanks for joining us today. We're super excited to have you, and I can't wait to for you to share your journey and tell us all about the fun stuff that you're up to. Great to be here, Brooke. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. So we're just going to jump right in. Tell us how you became a founder, what led you to become a founder, and what you're doing right now with Abound Parenting. Okay. So I always say to people, oh my gosh, if you were not on a mission, you should not ever be a startup founder because it is so much work. It is, I think I might've told you when we talked before, if I'm not in a fetal position on the living room floor, then I'm thinking that's a good sign because being a startup <laughs> founder is hard. It's it, really hard work. It is. And yeah, and I think being a 59-year-old startup founder who never really wanted to start a business is even harder. But <laughs> with that in mind, I'm on a mission and I it dawned on me, my background's in literacy. I have spent a lot of time in schools working with teachers. I worked at the Harvard School of Ed for a decade in this fabulous STEM literacy research lab. And, you know, I've worked in schools and educators all across the country and everyone's working really hard and families are working really hard and everyone's sort of burned out and things happen slowly in schools like with most institutions and i just got impatient with it as i maybe as i get older i get less patient uh-huh. maybe that's why you have kids early i don't know but yeah so i just decided i couldn't wait for the sake of parents i and because of the science of reading i couldn't wait for schools in every you know part of this country to be able to serve appropriately every child, and so yeah. I well, wanted I'm to do ask you something a about that real quick. Where's the breakdown okay. in getting something implemented into schools? Why does it take so long? Well, you know, there's so many obstacles to doing this kind of work with schools. Partially, it's because sort of their funding stream moves slowly. It's not a nimble, you know, sort yeah. of organization, any of them. And it costs a lot of money usually to buy curricula. So, and they want to do it right. So to their credit, they spend a lot of time looking for curricula and they put a lot of time and money into purchasing it. Mm-hmm. And then when they have it, and then something new comes out, their first choice is not to change things, right? So there's that. There's that sort of materials problem. And then it's like going to a hospital, right? You go to a hospital and what matters at the hospital is good, but it also matters that the individual doctors are really good. Mm-hmm. And you could go to a subpar hospital and 
have a really fabulous doctor and be fine. Or you could go to, you know what I mean? So it's so individually based to have things go well in schools. It's just so many personalities. And anyway, there's just a lot of obstacles to getting things done in school. So I'm on a mission. And the mission is everything. You know, I started thinking about individual parents in individuals, you know, houses all across this country who have this suspicion that maybe things aren't going well or things aren't going well and they don't know what to do with it or things are going well as far as they can tell, but they're not sure. And all of that uncertainty just seemed like such a ridiculous waste of sort of anguish. Like there's so much anguish about this problem that's not really that hard. And what I decided was if everyone knew what their roles were in this effort to raise strong readers, if everyone knew what they were supposed to do and it was doable for everyone who's part of it because it's a collective effort to raise strong readers, then everyone would be better off. Mm -hmm. So I left Harvard and working with schools entirely to focus on mostly the 87% of time kids aren't in school. And I could tell you more about why that's so important, but that is my mission. I want two things. I want families to be able to understand enough about reading So they know when to, you know, raise their hand and say, you know, I'm worried about something. Mm -hmm. And second, I want families and after-school providers and any adult who's with a child 24-7 to be able to build the kinds of vocabulary and knowledge skills that are actually a huge difference maker to successful reading in the years ahead. So that's what I set out to do. And when I worked with schools, they often asked for tools for parents and asked for ways to include beyond school providers, like after school programs and summer schools, summer camps. So I designed a tool that all those sort of untrained adults in kids' lives can use to help do their part. Right. Okay. So it's ultimately helping kids to learn how to read better. Yes. It's helping kids reach their potential as readers. Okay. And it's an app or it's online? It's an app. Is there a target age for this? Yes, ages three through grade three. And that's by design. Often when we in the field talk about learning to read, we talk about birth through grade three because a lot of skills have to accumulate over time. That's like the foundation. That's where the foundation is. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's about building brain architecture. It's about making sure they get the foundational skills, the 26 letters and 44 sounds. Like it's that part of it. But all along, there has to be a drip, drip, drip of skill building Uh is about language and knowledge for kids. And that is not something we talk about. It's not common. You're not going to hear about that when parents are talking about their kids reading. But it's the difference maker for kids in the later years. And I could explain more about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when we were talking, you were giving me some examples, which I never would have thought of as a parent, but it makes sense. So give some examples of what the app does, like in the everyday communication way of speaking, shall we say that you were giving me examples of, because I think as a parent, some parents are just trying to survive, right? Like totally, especially given what we've just gone through. So, and they may not even have a clue. I mean, if you're, let's face it. Oh, call myself out on this one. Like I am not a teacher. It is not my strength, right? I know this. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't know, may not know their strengths, but it's not my jam. 
<laughs> right. I'm more of a teacher by just watch me work and like that's my yeah. way of teaching versus like sitting down. It's just and especially like little kids. Like I love little kids, but me being in a teacher environment. So I may not know all of the components that are most useful. Granted, my kid knows how to read, but I'll follow through. Yeah. You just have to tell me what to do. Right. So exactly. I think that there are a lot of parents that maybe just either overwhelmed, don't have a clue. I mean, you probably have all the data behind this, but I feel like, or they don't have the resources. I don't know, but maybe it's too daunting for them, or maybe they just aren't even aware. Like you were talking about the awareness. Maybe they aren't aware that their kid needs more help, right? So how do you get the message to them that their kids, the awareness that their kids need more help, right? Yeah, absolutely. Everything you just said, Brooke, is so important. And it's exactly where I'm coming from, right? right? So if you look at some of the data, 35% of fourth graders read proficiently by fourth grade and only 9% have advanced skills in our country. And the truth is to have a job that supports a family in the 21st century, you're much better off if you have advanced skills in reading. Reading predicts school and life success. So with that as a backdrop, you think, okay, what as a parent do I have to do? And so you go by what you think it takes to read well. And everyone out there, and let me tell you, I count myself among the group, you know, is unaware. When I was first getting seriously into the teaching of reading, I remember when a professor put this slide up that told me what the three buckets of skills were and everyone in class. And I'm looking around thinking, wow, am I the only one who had never really thought of it this way before? Like mm -hmm. I had never thought so clearly about what it takes to read well. And what has been bothering me since that moment in the basement of Larson Hall and in, in the ed school at Harvard, when that prof, genius prof, put up this very simple way of looking at reading, that, wow, that should be common knowledge. And I actually think if it were common knowledge, if every person understood what it took to read well, that whole thing you were just talking about, you don't want to teach your child, you shouldn't teach your child. It's not your job. You're not right. trained to do it. But there is a really important role for you that doesn't feel anything like teaching. And so that's what I want parents to understand, that one of those buckets of skills is the 26 letters and 44 sounds and reading individual words fluently. You have to know that C-A-T are the letters C-A-T and that it's C-A-T and you have to be able to <laughs> blend it together and it has to be able to read cat and you have to be able to do it quickly. Because right. if you don't, then by the end of paragraph, right. you don't remember what you read at the beginning. Yeah. You have to be able to read words automatically. So that is a foundational skill. We call it foundational because it's so vital to this process, right? But we are now, and, and some schools weren't teaching it. Some schools believed you just immerse kids in fabulous literature and they'll learn to read. And the dangerous thing about that whole theory is that some kids do, because for whatever reason, they get it. But really, most kids need a systematic phonics program in school. They need that one bucket of foundational skills to really, really, really know well so that they can become fluent readers of text. But you can be a fluent reader of text and not understand what you're reading. What ends up being the most important thing you need to know is the content. So there's been lots of studies where kids are exposed to text 
So follow me here if you can. Strong reader doesn't know anything about baseball. Weak reader knows a lot about baseball. In the end, when they both read a passage about baseball, the weak reader is going to do a better job taking, extracting information from that text, which is the job of a reader. Because what you bring to a text determines what you extract from that text. So content knowledge and vocabulary is absolutely essential to reading well. But if you think about it, if school is working to do the foundational skills, which not all of them are, but they should be, and they're now getting, because of a lot of good public awareness and teacher you know, training, they are getting better at that. But we have not been working on this other bucket of skills. These voca- We call it vocabulary and knowledge out of bounds. That is everyone's job because it takes a drip, drip, drip. It's a little bit every day. It's, you know, when you call out a word you're reading and how interesting it is, and then you talk about it. It's when you talk about anything that isn't pick up your socks, put away your glass and, you know, hurry up. We need to get your backpacks filled. Those are those of the house. And what we're trying to do is let parents in a fun, easy, doable way, elevate that language and increase kids' bucket of vocabulary and knowledge skills, you know, especially. Does that make sense? Yep. That's interesting. I love it. So are you targeting then parents or are you targeting schools? Like what's your ideal rollout of this? So ideally, I would like every parent to know, look, you can understand just enough about learning to read, just enough about the benchmarks to be able to be like an educated consumer for your child. So when you go into the conference, you're not just saying, hi, how's Tommy doing? Is he... Are people nice to him? Is he nice to people? And how is he doing at math and reading? That's so 20th century. It's not 21st century. We need to go (laughs) on a daily basis. That's what we all did, right? But what if you could go in as an educated consumer and say, you know what? I'm a little concerned because he actually can't recognize his name in print. And I was And I realized that that's one of the things my four-year-old should be able to do. But how would you ever know that, Brooke? You would never know that. And that's why I created a check-in for parents so that every six months from age three to grade three, you answer these 25 questions and you get the key benchmarks that your, your child should be working on. You don't need to teach them everything. You don't need to panic. It's an instructional problem. But if no one notices, then kids get overlooked. So that is one of the real, that's that awareness piece that I was telling you about. And then meanwhile, if at home, you're not killing yourself, you're not teaching them. It shouldn't feel like teaching. My kids used to turn to me and say, don't teach, don't be my teacher, mom, just be my mother. And so I got that cue from them early on. And so you, you do things that are teaching, I say in quotes, but they don't feel like teaching to anybody. And that means you talk to them, you elevate the language. You expose them to text and you get them to become stronger readers just because of what you've talked about in your house. It doesn't seem possible, but it's true. Yeah. Really good data on that. Yeah. I, uh, well, sure. I mean, I can see it, right? Like I can visualize it. If you're having conversations beyond the normal, like small talk, shall we say? I think that's just with a transactional sort of talk. Right. And you ask the questions. So 
what is your goal? Like, do you have tangible goals with this? I have really ambitious goals. I want every parent <laughs> to understand what it takes to read well. Okay. Just to not, not, not teach reading, just understand it at every step along the way. It would ease people's burdens. So that's one thing. And then you asked before, and I realized I didn't answer it. You know, what's my, how am I getting this out there? Yeah. Like really hard. You know, that's the hard part. It's really hard to reach individual parents. That's why I want to, you know, go on podcasts and it's why I want to speak to groups and it's why that's a really hard thing to do and it takes a lot of money. So the other thing we can do is work with schools who work with parents and get schools and parents to understand what the parent role is and how to work collaboratively. So we're working with a lot of schools. We're also working with a lot of after-school programs because this drip, drip, drip of skill building can also be done. You know, if you work at the Y or you work at the Boys and Girls Club or you're a summer camp counselor, uh, you can do this really easy work. I use that term very loosely because it has to be playful or kids are going to sniff it out as teaching. I would see summer program most definitely on that one. Yeah. Do you want me to give you an example? You had asked me before and I never Yeah, did. like you were giving me an example when we talked before, just so the listeners can get an idea. Like there's probably some mom out there thinking, oh, I could use this. Yeah. <laughs> give them an example. So I will give you a few examples, actually. So the way we do it is we're trying to build up knowledge for kids. Because remember, I told you that second bucket, vocabulary and knowledge is really important. Our goal with this part of the daily content we give to parents is both to educate the parent on the kinds of things the child should be working on, but also to build the child's skills. And what we've found from all of our research on it is that it also connects families in really positive ways. So here are some examples. So every day we have parents asking kids two questions. The first question relates to one of the buckets of skills. So if it's a Monday or Thursday, you're doing a letters and sounds bucket. And if you have a, say, I think this is for a kindergartner, you say, this is the question this week. Finger food means bite-sized food you can pick up and eat with your fingers. Let's think of words that rhyme with finger. If we were serving food to an opera star, we might call it singer food, right? So we ask the, you know, blank food. How about if it was food for a wasp? So when you're doing this, you're getting kids to think about rhyming, right? Sound discrimination is super important, but you're also introducing some other ideas like what is an opera star? What's a wasp, right? So it's just the back and this one doesn't, the Monday and Thursday letters and sound work doesn't encourage as much back and forth conversation, but that is our ultimate goal back and forth conversation. So the other days of the week do. So for example, here's a good one. The word breakfast means to break a fast. A fast is a period of time when a person doesn't eat. Why do you think the first meal of the day has that name? Or something like aprons are pieces of fabric worn to protect your clothes while you cook or eat. Why don't restaurants pass out aprons instead of napkins to better protect people's clothes from spills? So what we're trying to do is just get a conversation going that is going to get kids thinking about words, thinking about ideas, and we call it sort of extending, like beyond the here and now. 
So let me just give you one more for this week. Where, W-A-R-E, is a suffix added to words to mean items made from a particular material or made for a particular purpose. This is a third grade example. If you saw signs in a store for glassware, kitchenware, or cookware, what would you expect to find in each section? So you can see what we're doing is we're calling attention to words and suffixes and prefixes. And when you do that, you're talking about how words work. And once you know how words work, it's much easier as a student to encounter a word you don't know and figure it out. You can't teach kids every single word, but if you know that re, R-E at the beginning of a word means do it again, then you know redo, rewrite, you know, retape, anything, because you know, you can think about words differently. So we're trying to get families to think, to call out words, talk about words, and build vocabulary and content knowledge. So over the course of two weeks, you're asking just two questions a day, and you're building content over time, knowledge over time about the theme, which this one is cooking. And if you'll just indulge me one more second, the other thing we, the other question of the day has to do with a word. So we choose words that we know are particularly difficult for kids to understand. We choose academic words, they're called. They're the number one words that kids struggle with in the later years. And we ask parents to introduce them, expose them to these words at a very early age. And what you find out is kids can take in a lot more than you think. So for example, this week, the word is method because we're talking about cooking. And last week, the word was consumed. So every single day, you're talking about the, you know, one of those words. So let me give you an example for method. Cooking methods are different ways of cooking, such as roasting, frying, and baking. Which cooking method do you think makes the best potatoes? Why? Remember, a method is a way of doing something. So now you're introducing this word. You're not asking them to spell it. You're not asking them to define it, but you're throwing it out there. And now you can say, what's the difference in a roast potato and a baked potato or a fried potatoes? We know fried potatoes, right? So you can, as a parent, we're not asking you to sit down with a bunch of flashcards. We are just asking you to start a conversation about a word and build up knowledge over time. So then... Is the child reading this or is the parent reading it to the child? The parent is reading it to the child. Okay. This is an entirely parent-facing app. Gotcha. This is about, this is an app for parents to make themselves better, like sort of consumers of what they need to know and do around teaching a child to read and building reading skills over time. Got it. Very helpful. Okay. My brain was like thinking about all of this information that you're just rattling off and all these questions. So what was the process like in building this app? How long did it take you to build this app? Oh my goodness. I'm sort of still building it, but there's a huge amount of content. So yeah. we have 15,000 pieces of content because it's daily content and it's, you know, for all these different age groups, right? right. So right. if you have a three-year-old, you're going to see something different than if you have an eight-year-old. Right. So there's that. But the process really was we had to first find out what parents wanted. And, you know, Brooke, the first thing you said here was exactly what we learned after interviewing 100 parents. We just want to know what to do. Like, we're happy to do the right thing if you tell us what the right thing 
is to do. And we'll take it from there. You know, we're just giving you a seed. We're giving you something to talk about. And then you get the chance to see what your child's perspective is and all of that. So that's what we learned. We learned that parents want to know exactly what to do. So I actually spent a summer at MIT in an accelerator. It was so fun. I was by far the oldest person there. <laughs> and all these kids wanted to become entrepreneurs. And I kept saying to them, oh, my gosh, do not do this if you don't have a mission. It's so hard. Yeah. It is so hard to do. Right. But anyway, they didn't listen to me. But anyway, so that's what we did. We went through. We interviewed tons of parents. We figured out what we wanted to do. And remember, I've always known, because I know the research, I've always known what families need. But telling somebody something that they need doesn't always do the trick, right? Mm -hmm. I think I mentioned to you that 35% of fourth graders are proficient readers. The other really important information and data point was done by Learning Heroes and 92% of families think their kids read at or above grade level. Wow. So 35% do and 92% think they do. That disconnect is a real problem. Putting this app together, we had to think about slowly educating families through the daily content and through this check-in so that we would get families to have the agency they need to work with schools. Sure, sure. So what are some of the challenges? Well, let me back up. So you have been writing all of the content and mm -hmm. then I'm assuming you don't do development yourself. You had to find No, but I no, but I happen to have given birth to someone who is <laughs> quite that's, talented. That's like... <laughs> yeah. In fact, three someones who are quite talented. So Yes, I have a daughter who has her master's in computer science from Georgia Tech. I have a son who does data analytics for the Red Sox, and I have a son who is a pricing expert. You know, one good thing about being 59 is that your own kids have gotten to a point where they can give back. They have really helped me, and my husband was the CEO of a small company, and he has a lot of marketing background. I had all of that. And I also established a small team. We have a very small team and we move mountains every day or we try to, to make this work. That's great. Okay. What have been some of your challenges along the way as a founder? I feel like I get patted on the head a lot, to be honest, Brooke. Aww. You know, I'm not a dude. I don't live in Silicon Valley. My biggest supporter has been... This woman, Libby Patterson, who is actually the husband, a college friend. And like, you have to get what I'm trying to do. Yeah. Because everyone doesn't understand what it takes to read well, what I'm trying to do doesn't seem important. And I need to, and so I have to first explain to people why it's so important. And then I have to tell them why they should invest in us or open the app and use it every day. This is sort of like, you know, people get apps and they don't use them. We actually can get a good percentage of families to use it regularly because they start to see that this is a really positive thing to do in their life. Mm -hmm. The problem is schools are also giving them all these other things to do. So one of the things I'm trying to help schools do is think carefully, curate what you give to families. The latest research on burnout around parents is strikingly like sad. It's 66% of parents feel defeated. There's just, they're working too hard and they're doing, 
we're asking parents to do things they can't and shouldn't do. Mm. Parents' job is not to become their reading teacher. Their job is to love them and sit with them with a book and talk with them every day about books and ideas and words. And if that's all that parents did and knew enough to ask questions if they saw something that was going awry with their own child's reading, we would be so far ahead of the game. Instead, I listen to parents who say, oh my goodness, the 30 minutes of reading at night when you have a struggling reader, by the time we get through it, we both are you know, ready to kill each other. <laughs> and all I say to them is go sit in front of a screen. I'm going to have a glass of wine and let's be done with it. Like it's too much. It really is. And it's not necessary. Yeah. Right. So my obstacles, I have to teach people why it's important. I have to get them to understand that if they just do this, they're not, you know, not fulfilling their roles. They're actually fulfilling them and not having that awful interaction with a child that actually works against our long-term goal of becoming, you know, getting kids to be readers and thinkers. In the future, Brooke, our kids don't need to, you know, I mean, at some level, they need to think. They need to wonder. They need to be curious. And how does that happen? It's through language. And it's through these connections over language with people who love them, where they get a bond, they get a thought. You can probably think about the last great conversation you had. We don't have them. We have a dearth of them. They just came out with a study, a Forbes article this week about how babies are not getting the language interactions they need. No one should feel guilty about it, but we need to be aware of how important it is to create ongoing back and forth conversations with kids. It's critical and it's not happening. And and so the, an obstacle for me is I need to get people to understand how critical it is. Yeah. But then the other obstacle is I'm an old woman who's trying to do something Not in old. a young, well, I'm just saying for the startup world, I'm about 30 years older and I'm watching people get enormous amounts of funding to do things for schools that I know are not going to either be implemented with fidelity or as vital. But this doesn't, it doesn't feel big. It's small moments. It has to add up over time. Mm -hmm. And we don't charge much. Right, like we, right. I'm not going to charge much because I don't, I want everyone to do it. Are you trying to raise funding? Yes, always. Okay. okay. Unfortunately, yeah. we are trying to raise funding because, for example, we need it in Spanish. So we okay. just did start, we just are doing that. But you can't work with a school if you can't serve all of their their uh, people. And, and to be honest, those are some of the populations that need it the most. Mm, mm -hmm. So what we want them to do is have these conversations in their own languages because language skills transfer. Okay. If you know a concept in one language, it's easy to just map a label in another language onto that concept you already know. Okay, good to know. I'll see if I can introduce you to some investors. Oh, that would be so nice. <laughs> I talk to them. I have to say, I talk to a superintendent and they understand. They get it because they realize, yeah, it's not working. What can we do? So if we could get all the adults to do a little bit right. and it's fun, like what's the harm there? Right. It doesn't seem like rocket science to me that a school could, I don't know. I guess maybe I'm not on inside the academic world. But when my daughter was younger, she went to a reading program because she was required to read. She couldn't graduate kindergarten until she could read. 
at a basic level, obviously, because I'm not a teacher, right? I mean, we read to her, we read books at every single night and all that fun stuff. But, yeah, you know, we got important. her tutors and we like from just because we wanted to make sure she was all covered from like right. kindergarten through third grade in the summer. We just tried to alter, like go above and beyond an extra. And she was in like a reading program and they had programs in schools for in the school for kids that didn't pass their reading levels or whatever within school so my right. point is is that i guess i don't feel like it's rocket science if they're aware of this mobile app or this app it's not rocket science to encourage or give it to the parents as a solution or supplement to assist right like to adopt it shall we yeah say? it doesn't seem that difficult to me no. Can, I mean, okay. schools, I guess, can't require it, can they? No. And so mostly... So it's just like schools just Okay. Yeah. Well, schools mostly give resources to families. And then you, as the mom, are looking at all these resources and saying, okay, which one should I use? That bothers me. Someone needs to curate that list. They send home way too many things. Like, how do you know what you're supposed to do, right? right. So even all that time when you were getting tutors, you actually didn't know if the tutor was doing the right thing until the end when you found out that she passed the test, right? You don't know because you don't know what the benchmarks are for that right, child. Right, you don't know right, enough about it. Right. So and we just wanted to make sure. Right. But you know, our child was at the top level. You know what I mean? Like the high. Yeah, of course. You yeah. want to do the best. Every mother and father and caregiver wants that. Right. 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 So they should be given that opportunity. It shouldn't be that you have to be able to pay for tutoring. It should mm -hmm. be that, you know, okay, I have a four-year-old. He is doing exactly what he should be doing, or he's a little bit behind, but you know, he's sort of a active boy. I'm just going to watch, just going to monitor and see if he starts to make progress. And if you see that progress being made, then you're happy. If you don't see it being made, you have to raise your hand and say, could someone give this boy the instructional help he needs? It's not a character flaw mm -hmm. to be a struggling reader. It's not a character flaw. It's not a, it's an instructional problem. Well, we are so the parents, personalize it. Right. So, but are the parents supposed to say that to the teachers? Because I get the feeling that teachers don't have a lot of extra room on their plate to be able to assist one-on-one -on -one or go anything outside of what they're doing. Yeah. Okay, so this is the innovative sort of out there rogue thing that I'm doing. Yeah. When you take this check-in, you send your results to your teacher, right, your child's teacher, right before the conference. Okay. So now you enter, Brooke, and you actually have some of your own data to talk about. And then the teachers already looked at this. And so the teachers who have the training say to you, Oh yeah, no problem. His phonemic awareness is actually a little bit behind, but we're working on it by doing this, this, and this, and we'll talk again in three months and we'll see where we are, right? That's all you want. It is a collaborative effort to raise mm -hmm. a strong reader. But this teacher who's so overwhelmed by all of the kids in the class, I mean, teachers are superhuman. To be a good teacher, you have to be superhuman. Mm -hmm. It is, and you're taking care of your own kids. You're worried about your own right, kids. Right, at home, right. Well, and, them, right? And, and, right. And some of these classrooms have 26 to 30 five-year-olds i mean like yeah. there's a lot they're they're overwhelmed right they're overwhelmed understandably all i'm saying is if there wasn't anything personal about all of this if we could just say look as a teacher help me monitor 
do this check-in. Sit, tell me what you're seeing at home. I can't be in your kitchen. I don't know. And it's, I'm not going to take it personally if you come in and say, this is something I'm not seeing. I might say to you, actually, we're seeing it at school, so don't worry. Or I might say, wow, I hadn't noticed that. Well, I'm going to jump on that for you mm-hmm. and for me, because we both have the same goal, right? which is to create strong leaders, yeah. right? So it has to be a collaborative effort. And I think actually we're poised to do it now, Brooke, because the curtain has been pulled back since COVID. Teachers know what parents are capable of and trying to do, and parents know what teachers have been trying to do, too. And everyone knows it's been a chaotic, colossally difficult thing and a burden and overwhelming. So why don't we just all reset and say, look, I know what my role is now. I'm not going to worry about teaching him at home. I'm going to worry about, you know, doing this drip, drip, drip of skill building to do my part. And I'm going to be on top of to help you and me together monitor how the child's doing. Right. Right. You know, doesn't that, it does, it makes so much sense to me. Yeah, it does. It, it's perfect sense. How, where can they find this? Is it in Apple and in the Google store? Yes, it's in, is on Google Play and in the App Store. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it's $20 for nineteen ninety five a year for a whole family. Oh, uh, that's cheap. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I and that's because... call your product cheap. It's, it's very <laughs> within reason. <laughs> yes. And that's, and in fact, initially we were giving it away, but people don't, until they have a skin in the game, they don't do it. Yeah. So true. what we know is when you do it right, it's like a routine of anything else. You just start it in every day for three weeks and you don't make it into a, okay, now we're going to sit down and do this thing. You're cleaning the counter. You've already looked at the question of the day. What you're doing is you read the question and you remember it and you're cleaning the counter and you could say, you know, what kind of a method do some people use for cleaning the counter? Because I always get a sponge and I get this counter cleaner and I clean the counter and I then I sweep the floor and I'm not worried about it. But some people, you know what I mean? So now you're talking about methods, but you're really talking about cleaning the counter. And if you can do that in a regular way, a routine way every day for two weeks, then you will have started a routine that will really help your kids. Sure. Sure. Okay. So it's called a bound parenting. Yes. Yes. Bound parenting. A-B-O-U-N-D. What would you like your legacy to be? I would like for my legacy to be that I opened parents' eyes to the fact that they don't need to work so hard around their child's reading, that they can go back to that wonderful time when you're reading on the couch with a child and you're just talking about it and asking questions and, and calling up and being fascinated together and curious together. That is the work of teaching a child to read for a parent. That's what I want people to to think about when they think about the work that I'm doing. Awesome. And how can we support you? And what what do you need? How can we help you succeed? You've already helped me, Brooke. But I will tell you, you have. You're a fabulous person to talk to. You're a good thinker. And you're so altruistic about your time. and So I really, really appreciate that. But if I'm going to get greedy gimme about it, I need to talk to people who fund educational products or any kind of innovative product and are thoughtful and careful about the work. I don't want a ton of money. 
I just want enough to get the job done. Yeah. And I want some, I would really love someone else on this journey with me who is a funder. Someone who can say, you know, yeah, that's a great idea. No, that's a bad idea. It's always good to have someone as a, you know, check-in person. So you, I would love that. Are you wanting VC funding or are you wanting angel funding? Or does it matter? Angel funding. Pers- I would love VC funding, but they mostly want, they, they say things to me like, once you once you have 500 million revenue? A, a year of <laughs> revenue, call us. I'm like, you people I are kidding yourself. I- yeah, I won't need. <laughs> And I won't want you then. Right. I want a social impact investor who understands that I really am right about this. I mean, I, I've never been felt so certain about anything in my life. I've listened to geniuses talk about the work that has to be done, and I've created a product that makes it easy. Like, that's what I've done. So I do need those investors. But I also really would love to talk to parent groups. I'd like to talk to... YMCA directors. I'd like to be connected with people who work with kids or people who work with staff who work with kids Mm -hmm. to give them the, we give a one hour training. We can also do a more intensive thing to tell people how to have these conversations. And then you just take the app and run with it. And it's just, I need introductions to superintendents, principals, and after school providers. School. Awesome. Perfect. Well, I am so happy that your daughter connected us. <laughs> yeah, that was so funny. <laughs> and I am overjoyed to have you on the show. And I would be happy to help you out listeners. And I know you all know parents out there that could definitely utilize this app. It sounds amazing. I wish I knew about it. 10 eight to 10 years ago it would have been helpful, but it's super exciting. And I think you're going to go very far. I think this is going to be very impactful and amazing. So I'm excited for you. And if I can hunt down some angel investors that specialize in ed tech, I think that would be magnificent. That would be fantastic. So I'll just look in my repertoire to see if I can connect you. Hey, open that Rolodex, bro. Yes. Yes. There we go. (laughs) We've had a couple of investors on the show too. So hopefully maybe they know of some folks as well. Thank you. And yeah, sorry. I was just going to say, I'm sorry. I I am on a mission and I get talking and it's, I maybe will make this hard for you to edit because I talked to you. No, not at all. I love your passion. One of the things that investors look for is the passion of the founder and you can see it, you can feel it. And that's what makes, that's what's going to make you succeed, right? Plus, you know what you're talking about and you have the stats and you've done your homework and you're here to help. You're solving a problem. Like you've got everything you need all in one. So you think, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. No, (laughs) it's good. (laughs) You're checking all the funding boxes, I should say. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, is there anything else that you would like to tell us that we haven't talked about? I don't think so. I think, you know, people walk away from this podcast thinking that there's an easier way to be a mom or dad and make sure your kids read well. And there's a happier way, a lighter way, and it's actually better for your kids than I will have done my job. And that's really all that I came to say. That's awesome. So we're going to leave a link in below for if anyone wants to go to the app store and download the app. And do you have a website? 
Yes, we do. Aboundparenting.com. Okay. We'll leave the and you, link to the website as well. Okay. And I could be reached at joan at aboundparenting.com. Okay. So if there's a mom or dad out there who's really struggling about reading with their kids, while I'm walking my dog, I'm happy to talk to you. Oh, thanks. That's very kind. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And any school programs, principals, anyone out there listening, you know, she just gave you some insight on how to get in touch with her. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you taking time out of your busy day. Well, thank you, Brooke. I really appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. I will have a wonderful day and weekend ahead. Okay. You too. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 